0: Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning, Good morning, everyone. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I'm so glad to be with you again this morning. It is February. Yay, I'm so glad. There is just something about December and January that is overwhelming, and I am so glad that they are over. I love February. February to me is not only the month of love, but it is the preview of coming attractions. Spring is on its way. And I know that there is a snowstorm predicted for the East Coast. And I believe that we out here in the Pacific Northwest are destined to get more rain. But in spite of those things, I am looking forward to spring. And so I love February. So happy birthday, Aunt Glenda. It is my Aunt Glenda's birthday today. So I want to say happy birthday to her. And to all of you who might be having a beautiful February 1st birthday, I say happy birthday to you. But let's get down to what our show is. It's about today because I think you're going to really, uh, you know. Well, I would suggest first of all possibly going and getting some Kleenex before you get too settled, and uh, because I think you might you might need it. I don't know, we'll see. But um, I just wanted to tell you first of all, some of you might be wondering where the name of my show, Heaven Sent and Bent, came from. Now I have to tell you, you know, I'm from a small town just south of Chicago, so I grew up in the Midwest, and I believe that people in the north, in the Midwest are good, down-home, common-sense people who don't mess around. They just say it like it is. And so I heard this phrase, heaven-sent and bent. Uh, quite. I don't know. I just kind of grew up hearing it. The, wh- the way I heard it was heaven-sent and hell-bent. I kind of left out the hell part. But I wanted to tell you what it really means. I mean, when someone says heaven-sent, I think people hear that a lot. And obviously it means some kind of a miracle or someone or something that was <clears throat> placed in your path at just the right time to help you with a situation or to you know relieve you of a burden or an answer to prayer so that's what heaven sent means so um that is the the the, the first part of the of the of the title of my show and my uh, my upcoming book the hell-bent means recklessly determined. Uh, and, and I think that means someone who is determined to get something accomplished no matter what. And that's kind of where I got the name. So, um, you know, when you have a child that has a disability or you have an illness in your family, you go into hyper mode, at least as a mother, as a woman. I believe that's one of the wonderful traits that women have, that when they talk about the mother bear it basically means that you are intent on getting something solved no matter what. And I, I really do believe that is an instinct that mothers have. So when I use the term bent, it was an analogy to the fact that my son has cerebral palsy, his limbs are twisted, his, his limbs are bent, but also when you have a child that, that has special needs, you do become hell-bent on getting the care that they need, the services that they need you're not going to take any gruff from from doctors therapists school people anything like that you're going to get what your child needs and so th- it, the title the phrase heaven-sent and hell-bent just really describes what it's like to have a child with a disability or any kind of a struggle you find out you you get you 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 aren't feeling well you go to the doctor you get a horrible diagnosis And you become determined. You are going to fix this. You're going to find out where the specialists are in the country. You're going to find out what medications you should be taking or what food you should be eating or what changes you need to be made. That's what it means to be hell-bent on finding a solution. So that's really where the title of this show came from, in case any of you were wondering. And I cannot think that there is a more apt title or description than for the guests that I have with you today. I'm going to let Lana tell you her story. So I would like to introduce Lana Weimer to the show this morning. How are you, Lana? Oh, I'm good. Thank you, Renee. Well, I'm so glad. You are a busy mom. You have three little boys at home, and I can't imagine that your mornings are slow, easy, and relaxed. I'm (laughs) assuming that Keaton is back in school this morning.
1: Keaton, they went to school this morning, and Bryce has school this morning, too. He goes preschool Mondays and Thursday mornings.
0: Okay. Now, do you have the beautiful thing that public schools offer? Do you have a bus that comes to your door that picks up Keaton? <laughs>
1: Keaton doesn't need to ride the bus because he goes to school right across the street from our house. He usually would always ride the bus when before we lived here. But Bryce gets to ride the bus still where he goes is a little ways away.
0: <clears throat> okay, that's right. I forgot you do have that elementary school right across the street from you. So yeah. that is that is a good thing. And I, and I will give credit and, and applause to the public school system for what they do to provide transportation for their special needs kids. And it is a, a real joy to know that your children are going to be picked up in front of your house and dropped off in front of your house. You don't have to worry about Walking to a bus stop, or uh, it's it's a great it's a great thing that they have to offer, and I know we we really enjoyed that, and and we took advantage. I, I loved when my my bus would come at seven thirty in the morning and pick up my son, take him to school, and I knew that I had a certain amount of time to get the things done that needed to get done yeah. before they returned <laughs> at three thirty. So you kind of go into panic mode it, as soon as that bus pulls away. You're like, go! <laughs> so
1: I know it's like. What is the most important thing I want to get done when I have this time? I have so many things to get done. What should I do first? <clears throat> exactly. So, and you, then you still have your little Thatcher at home, your little, your little
0: guy. You still have him. So, yeah. he's got to get plopped in a, in a car seat if you're going to run errands today. Yeah. <laughs> so, let tell everyone why Keaton and Bryce our special needs and why you would have a bus that picks them up at, the, at your front door. Tell tell them a little bit about your, your family
1: story. Keaton and Bryce have a muscular dystrophy called spinal muscular atrophy, and it, um, it it's the disease that there's something between their spinal cord and their brain that doesn't work, and their muscles just don't continue growing. As soon as they're born, their muscles just start to get weaker and weaker and weaker. They can't build any muscle strength. Um, When they're first born, they seem kind of normal. Their muscles are pretty strong. I don't know if they're as strong as a normal child would be, but they have pretty strong muscles when they're first born, but then they pretty quickly get really weak. And with Keaton, our oldest, we didn't know that he had that at first. It wasn't until he was about six or eight months old we started noticing that he wasn't trying to stand on his legs at all. He wasn't trying to crawl at all. And he barely rolled over like two times, and that was it. He never tried rolling over anymore, and <clears throat> he couldn't really sit up very well on his own either either. And we thought, you know, he should be starting to show some of these mile markers. And, and so we took him to the doctors, and most of them were like, well, you know, kids just progress different ages and different times, and he could be just a lazy baby and not ready to start walking or calling yet. And so we kind of just and wait and see if he would start to do any of those things. And, and then we took him to a, a doctor again that had seen him before, and that doctor could tell that he did seem weaker than the last time he saw him. And so then they were like, yeah, go talk to the specialist at OHSU, the neurologist. <clears throat> we took him there, and that doctor has a lot of experience and he knew immediately that he what he had but the doctor didn't tell us yep i think i know what he has he just took did the test and then called us back when he got the results and that day so
0: was that was that something that they so the 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 specialist that you took him to was familiar with muscular dystrophy so he recognized yeah. uh yeah. some of the symptoms but he didn't necessarily yep. know which form Quite yet. Is that correct? I think he knew
1: exactly I think he knew exactly what it oh. was. Oh he he told Keaton to stick out his tongue and all kids SMA have this little tremor in their tongue and just different little signs that he has seen hundreds of times but we had no idea and he didn't <clears throat> He didn't even, I don't even remember him saying that, yeah, he might have this or that. He just said, well, we'll just do this test and we're going to test for, I think he must have told us what he was testing him for, Mm -hmm. but he didn't tell us his suspicions until afterwards. Right. It was confirmed. But I remember when he got the, when we got, when I got the call and um, he told me, that Keaton did have spinal muscular atrophy, the first thing I said was, are you serious? And the doctor said something like, I would never joke about something like that. Right, right. And so then, of course, I just cried the rest of the day and, and we just had to start learning about this disease. And I remember looking up on the internet, as much as I could, and I found lots of websites, families for SMA and and muscular dystrophy websites, and I remember feeling very discouraged because every story I read was just sad and made me cry and more. Right, right. But I had to start. Well, and
0: it is you know, it is a I genetic thought- disorder, and and when the doctor explained that to you, did they then do testing on you? And your husband? Or do they just know that this is what the case is, obviously?
1: Yeah, they just knew that Ryan and I must be both carriers of the disease. So Ryan and I are both carriers, and every time we have a baby, there's a 25% chance that that baby will have SMA. And they did show us all the charts and all the, you know, the genetic like they show us about how the genetics work, and every
0: time right. we
1: go to the doctor, they're like, "Do you right. need a And after a ton of times like that, nah, we've talked to him before. But um, <clears throat> after that, every time I was pregnant, I was able to get an amniocentesis to find out while I was pregnant if the baby did or did not have that SMA. Right.
0: Well, let's talk about that, because um, Keaton was nine months old, about nine months old, when you got the diagnosis and you found out, and I'll have to do some research, maybe you can fill me in, if both, do both parents have to be carriers in order for this to uh, manifest, or is it usually the woman who is the carrier?
1: No, both parents have to be a carrier of it, and and so I think about 1 in 50 people are carriers of the disease, and so it's even more rare for two people to get together that ha- are both carriers. And then there's still only 25% chance after that that you have baby with SMA. And it's pretty rare. I think um, there's like 1 in 3,000 babies are born with SMA.
0: So you guys just hit the jackpot. You are, you <laughs> just won the lotto for this. So you have, so you have Keaton and he is growing and his limbs are growing, but his muscles are just atrophying. They're, they're not growing. They're not getting stronger. They're just existing. Are, are they also deteriorating? Yeah. Are they just, they are deteriorating. Okay. Because they're, they're not able, he's not able to use them to build them up. Uh, what, no, a, what a no contrast. Matter How
1: much exercise he would do, they will never get stronger.
0: So they're not going to multiply the, the muscle cells that are needed to get stronger or get bigger or elongate. So when as he grows, he, now I noticed when we spoke that he is able to move his hands, able to move his arms. Um, is that something that has uh, decreased over the years? Yeah, Do you see him yeah, not being it, it, okay? So if there was, was a time when he was able to use his limbs more than he can use them now.
1: Right. hmm I see.
0: And but this, yeah, I think, yeah. the hardest part about this genetic disorder is the fact that it doesn't affect their intelligence, and they're so bright, and he is so articulate. And we'll we'll get we'll talk a little further about um, how I even was introduced to your family, but when when I did see him and listen to him, what a cutie. I mean, I could not believe how, how just articulate and mature he was for his age. But let's um, take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Lana more about her family, how I was introduced to their family, and just some other really great things you're going to want to listen to. So let's take a little break.
1: Now back to
0: Renee Steelman for more Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for coming back. I'm talking today to Lana Weimer, and Lana and her husband Ryan are the parents of five children, and they have a a different and a wonderful story to share about their family. Lana, when we left, we were talking a little bit about Keaton, your oldest, who is 10 years old, and we were talking about the fact that he has SMA, which uh, does affect their muscles, but doesn't affect their intellect at all. And so I wanted to tell the listeners how I was introduced to your family. I just was watching late night television. And for some reason, I don't know why, but a show came on and it mentioned you and mentioned what you and your husband are doing. And I believe I got online and looked you up and it was just a serendipity type moment. But tell us a little bit about, before we, before we get into more details of your family, tell us a little bit about how you and Ryan met, a little bit about your personalities, what you like to do, and how you started your, your family. <clears throat>
1: well, I, um, I met Ryan at church, and, but before I met him, I had met his mother. I was working in a one-hour photo And she came in and brought some pictures in. And I recognized one of Ryan's brothers in the picture from church. I said, oh, I know him from church. And so then she knew that we were from the same church. And she says, I have another son on a mission. He's coming home soon. (laughs) And so she told me about him, and then it was Christmas right after that, and she got to talk to Ryan on his mission um, Christmas, and told Ryan about me. She met me at this one photo, and so and I knew his brother too from church, and so I remember right before his parents and his brother went to pick up Ryan from his mission, his brother saw me at the store where I worked, and. And told me they're getting ready to pick him up, and so I have in my mind, I'm thinking about and anticipating meeting him when he gets home. You know, I'm thinking about you know what he might be like and stuff. And then I met him at church after he got home from his mission, and and um, I just saw him at church a few times, and then he came in to the one-hour photo where I work, and he brought in some pictures to develop, and he, you know, acted like he just. And I have these pictures develop, and then he came <laughs> back and, um, <clears throat> and he uh, asked me to go on a date with him, I think. And, and then we just continued to get to know each other and start dating, and probably a year or so after that, we got married. And we were, I felt like we were kind of old. We weren't like a young couple. I was. 25 was 26 and i felt like we shouldn't wait you know a long time to start a family so we decided to go ahead and start a family and keaton was born one month before our first anniversary and oh my goodness we, we were so happy to have baby and it was just really fun time <clears throat> and uh and then you know, and then the, then the the
0: wheels started turning and things started happening. Yeah. So you are are I think that's I I think that's amazing that this young man actually listened to his mother. If more young men mm-hmm. would listen to their mothers, <laughs> they would not be in the situations that they're probably in. They, we need yeah, to go to exactly. the other the fixed marriage, arranged marriages should come back into style because yeah, I think mothers. <laughs> Now, so tell me, um Ryan is a nurse and is extremely creative. Did you know that when you were dating? Did you know that he had a creative no. side to him that was artistic? No, not really.
1: Interesting. No. But,
0: but did he I mean, did he tell you that he had a a desire to go into nursing?
1: Yes. He was he was in nursing. He was working on the nursing program when we were when we got married. He started school uh, okay. before we were married, so I didn't That's know that. And I knew that he just had a passion for helping people. Before his mission, he was a CNA and he worked in a nursing home, which most people would hate. But he had good memories and experiences from just getting to know the old people and helping them out. And he wanted See. to nurse.
0: Yeah, and that is such a gift. That truly is a gift. The, the people that I know that are CNAs, that that are into nursing, they truly have a gift of service. And it just is something that comes naturally to them. And they're drawn. They're drawn to people that are, are in need of kindness and, and care. And you can tell that by meeting both of you, that you're very... Your, your whole persona is very much, you're very laid back and your, your goal, your whole entire goal is, is service and how can you help other people? And I, I just was so impressed. I could just feel that when I met, when I met the both of you. So when you had Keaton and you're, you're told of this, did you immediately think that you were never going to have any more children, that your childbearing days were over and Keaton was going to be your only child?
1: No, we never felt like that. We were nervous, See, that's amazing. But we never did feel like we shouldn't have any more kids. <clears throat> I, and I
0: think that I, that's why I wanted to tell people about your personality because m- most people would be terrified. They would say, "We can't handle this. We can't do this. This is this is life changing, and we're we're not going to do this anymore." But you and your husband looked at it like, well whatever, you case it raw, <laughs> what will be will be. We know that we have a heart and a home that can serve children yeah. that have problems and we're going to welcome them into our home. I think that's amazing. So tell us about your second pregnancy.
1: <clears throat> um, our second pregnancy, we, we were excited and we talked to the doctor about wanting to have uh, amniocentesis to find out um, before the baby was born, although a lot of the doctors and geneticists told us, yeah, the sooner you find out, the sooner you can decide if you want to continue with your pregnancy. And for us, that was so just like, can't even talk about that. It's just like you don't terminate a pregnancy just because the child's going to have a, a disability. But we wanted to find out just to know and prepare ourselves. Right. We thought that was right. good to know. And, um, so we did find out with Addie. We did not find out if she was a girl or a boy. We didn't want to know the sex, and the doctor knew the whole time after the amniocentesis. Oh. Patient. But, um, with Addie, we did find out, and it is, it's a hard, <clears throat> it's just a hard, moment to find that out. I mean, we feel like kids are born with um, disabilities and special needs for a reason. I feel like a lot of times they're born that way for a reason. And and we just feel like they're still special spirits and they need a family. And we're just so happy to have them come to our family. And um, <clears throat> so we're excited to have another baby. And the night that Addie was born is kind of a fun story. I had a completely off to different experience than with when Keaton was born, and it's just like that. Every pregnancy is different, but um, I was started having contractions and felt like they weren't that bad, and I just stayed at home. I thought, I don't want to go to the hospital, I still have so much more time before she's born or baby's born and so I just sat up all night watching tv and then all of a sudden the contractions got really bad so I woke Ryan up and I told him okay it's time to go they're getting really bad I called Ryan's mom so she could come stay with Keaton while we went to the hospital and she lives really close by and I couldn't hardly move Ryan woke up and, and I'm, like, buckled over with every contraction that we're not very far apart anymore. And he's, like, trying to put my shoes on me and trying to put my pants on me and get me dressed so I can go. And <laughs> and all of a sudden, my I felt my water break. And I was like, um... Can you put a towel on the floor? I need to get on the floor so you can check in because it felt like no. there was a baby coming out. I was like, can you check yeah. it, see If you can see anything? And he's like, well, I don't even know what I'm looking for. And so I lay down on the floor in the bathroom on a towel, and Ryan could see her head crowning, and he he's <gasps> freaking out. He's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He's running all around the, our apartment freaking out. <clears throat> And my body, That's I true. was not trying to Let's push, push at all, but my body was pushing, and her head went right. out. And so then I'm like, okay, well, her head's out. I might as well push it the rest of the way out. So I did one push, and she was out, and I picked her up off the floor, and I'm holding her on the, sitting on the floor, and Ryan comes back in, and he sees me, and he's like, what? No <laughs> and- way. Okay, where is where is Ryan in his nursing training at this point he's like he 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 couldn't even think he was in father mode he wasn't in nurse mode i know he was not thinking he was freaking out but he did do something really good he remembered seeing a suction bulb laying around the house earlier and he went and he found it that's that's what he said he was running around, and that's what he thought of. Suction bolt, suction bolt, running around looking for a suction bolt. He found it. He suctioned out her nose and mouth and wrapped her in a blanket and gave her back to me. And, and then we called the paramedics after that. And Ryan's mom came, and she's like, what? You <laughs> guys don't
0: the do anything the, the way everybody else does.
1: It was kind of like one of those experiences you hear about and you never think it's going to happen to you. Exactly. I so
0: you're you're rushed to the hospital, kind of, or maybe not rushed, just yes, taken. Yeah, kind
1: of. We were waiting for the paramedics. They came in. They walked. They poked their heads in the door and said, is she okay? Or is the baby okay? Is she crying? And the baby was fine. She cried a little bit right at first and then calmed down when I was holding her. And so then they went back out. And they were gone for like 10 or 15 minutes because they they didn't know what to do. They called the doctor to see what should we do now they hadn't had that kind of experience before. That is funny. That was funny, yeah. So then they took us to the hospital.
0: I don't know if that makes me feel good about emergency trained people when they have to walk out and go, (laughs) well, now what do we do? Is this an emergency or is this not an emergency? That's funny. So you 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 eventually ended up at the hospital. but you And you yeah. knew in advance, though, that she did indeed have SMA. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep, we knew okay. that.
1: And okay. So we were prepared for it. And it was interesting and different for us when she was born to know at first because with Keaton we didn't know at first and we didn't pay attention, you know, how strong he was when he was very first born. But with Addie we could know and we could think about that and, and see and and it was so kind of neat because we could see how strong she was when she was first born knowing that she was going to get weaker but when they're born they have strong enough legs to stand up and I mean they obviously don't stand up on their own but they can stand up on your lap and, right. them and they're really, right. really strong right. when they're first born and I think in utero it's like they're able to um, grow naturally, I guess. Right. They don't have right. that. Right, exactly. <laughs> when they're, when but they're Addie Addie
0: didn't do as well. Addie wasn't quite as strong as Keaton was. So tell, give us a little, little yeah, bit about how, how she progressed.
1: Because at first, when she was a tiny baby, we thought she was maybe a little stronger than Keaton because she was able to roll over a lot. Like, Keaton rolled over twice, and she rolled over, like, all the time for like three months, she just was rolling over all around the house, and um, <clears throat> and then she wasn't able to anymore. And when she's about six months old, and she never did crawl or anything, but we thought that that was kind of—I mean, it was just different. They have different strengths and weaknesses. Right. But she she never did very well with eating. Keaton has always been able to eat really well. But she never could really eat solid foods. She just always went from nursing to a bottle. And as soon as I tried feeding her baby food, she just never was wanting to eat it. She just always wanted a bottle. And then it got to the point where she didn't even ever want to drink the bottle. And what happens is they just have a really hard time swallowing. And they choke very easily. And it's just so hard to swallow, they don't even want to try, they don't eat. And so, we had to take her into the doctor after, um, she had started losing weight. And she, um, got a G tube, and then she, her, she did okay at, for like a couple months, maybe. And then all of a sudden, she just started throwing up all the time, and she couldn't, Keep anything down and throwing up is so scary and dangerous because um, they aspirate really easily and they can't mm-hmm. cough. That's one of the, the um, biggest um, issues and dangers with kids with SMA is the fact that they're not strong enough to cough. And so anytime they get Sick with any um, respiratory issues and, or aspirating, is you know, respiratory call, and they can't cough it up, then that is how most kids with SMA die from respiratory issues. Isn't because
0: that, it, and I just think that people, sick. right, and I remember uh, years ago watching the Jerry Lewis telethon, and I know that a lot of his service went for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, mm-hmm. And I remember him having a child on stage and talking about that, that something as simple as coughing is is what a lot of these children suffer with. And it really brings to mind how we don't appreciate our bodies, that we don't realize how what a magnificent machine our bodies are, yeah. and the simple things like sneezing and coughing and how important those things are for our health and our, our, our well-being and our life. And something as simple as not being able to cough is eventually, as you say, what takes a lot of these kids down. So mm-hmm. it, I just remember that stuck with me for some reason, and I don't even know if Jerry Lewis, if those telephones are still going on. Do you know? They do.
1: I don't know if okay. Jerry Lewis does it, but they do always do the telephones every year. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's definitely. So So she did not do well, and you did eventually lose her. She was almost three, is that correct?
1: She died one week before her third birthday. Yeah, one morning we just woke up, and she was always um, like her stomach was filling up with bile all the time. And Uh, so she was always feeling like she needed to throw up. And she said, Mama, I need to throw up all the time. And uh, so she threw up. I was getting Keaton ready for school. I was sitting there holding her, though, and she threw up. And I remember thinking, okay, baby, breathe, breathe. And she just could not breathe after that. And I tried. um I tried a couple things. We had this breathing machine, a cough assist machine. I tried to help her to cough, to try to get her to breathe. And I remember sitting there in the living room the whole time thinking, oh, I left my phone on the bed in the bedroom. (laughs) Oh, no. I need a call, 911, but I don't want to put her down to go get the phone. (laughs) Right.
0: Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine that. And you were home by yourself?
1: I was by myself. Ryan was already at work. And so after just a minute or two of trying to get her to try breathing, and I could see she did, and she was going unconscious, I, I held her in my arm, and I ran and got the phone, and I called, and they talked me through doing CPR with her, and, and the paramedics came, and I took Keaton in the other room, while they were helping her they told me that it might be disturbing watching what they were going to do right. so I took Keaton in the other room and we said a prayer and and then they took her to the hospital and I called Ryan and he immediately came home and as soon as he got home we went to the hospital and I remember the The hospital, what is it
0: called? The ministers that work at the hospital. Oh, the chaplains. The chaplain.
1: The hospital chaplain was there waiting for us. And the doctor told us that she didn't make it in. They were still, when we got there, they were still trying to resuscitate her. But they stopped after we got there because they knew that she... She was gone, yeah. not coming back. She had been gone ever since they got her to the hospital, and they continued to try to resuscitate her. Oh. And so we asked if we could hold her. A nice ladies from the church came to stay with, stay with Keaton while we stayed there and held her for like three hours or so, I think. Oh. And- yeah, I can't
0: even imagine. I cannot even imagine and and to for your family, I, I just have so much respect and admiration for just the faith that you have to go through that, and yet you and your husband chose to welcome other children into your family after that devastation. You've had two devastating events happen with trying to create a family, and yet with strength and faith, you went on and i i just have so much admiration for that i cannot even there are so many people who would not be willing to even risk having that and for what you went through so your faith must be so strong
1: that's the only thing that can that keeps us sane you know we do mm-hmm. we do know that Addie is continuing to live and in a happy place now, and I feel like that had she been, you know, had she survived that episode and continued to live at that time, she just would have spent most of her days in the hospital and not had probably as as happy of a life, although we could have had her a little bit longer, but it probably wouldn't have been that much longer. Right. So you... Go ahead. We just feel like that we know that we will see her again someday, and that that hope, the long term hope, is the only thing that keeps us going.
0: Right, exactly. And this life is such a short time; it seems like eternity for those of us yeah, that are it experiencing it like and walking.
1: It, it seems like but a long way we, away, but we know
0: right we do believe that there there is a life after this and and that we will be reunited with our loved ones and that is the mm-hmm. the peace and the comfort that it gives us and also knowing that their bodies are an earthly thing and that they are free from those bodies and that does bring comfort for sure what um so tell us about your third baby our third i cannot baby even imagine
1: was was actually before Addie died when Keaton and Addie were still little. Addie was about two years old. And we had a third baby. But before he was born, we found out that he had a different disease called anencephaly, which just means that the top of his head and his brain were were not developed and and it was just, like, missing. And the doctors told us that he would not survive through birth, and they did talk to us about terminating the pregnancy at that time when we found out about it, and we thought, no, we didn't want to do that. We, I read some stories about babies that had anencephaly that, that were born alive and lived for a few days, you know, and so we were kind of hopeful that we could have a couple of days with them. But he did die during labor and delivery. I could feel him moving around when I started pushing, but he died during the delivery. And and so I think that that was kind of a little bit of preparation. We had a funeral for him, and we, we were a little bit prepared, I don't know, for... It so, was he, like a little,
0: so he like actually like died, before. and you had a funeral for him while you were still caring for Addie. So what was yeah. the time period between his funeral and Addie's funeral?
1: Um, Just about a, almost a year apart.
0: Oh, my <clears> heavens. Oh, yeah. my heavens. I cannot even imagine. So... So, so I, I can't even imagine how strong you guys are. When you decided to get pregnant with Bryce, uh, that
1: was after Addie died, and it was only like maybe a week or so after she died. And Ryan and I looked at each other, and we had both been thinking the exact same thing: we want to have another baby. That's amazing. And so we <laughs> we felt like. You know, we knew that it could be hard, but we wanted to do it, and we were ready, and we were prepared, and so, but we just thought, surely, we won't have another baby that has SMA.
0: No, your odds are are just, you know, really, come on, one family, what are the odds?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But after we got the yeah. results of the amniocentesis, we were at my parents' house visiting, I remember. And we got the call. And I just remember feeling like, you know, I know this baby, we're just so happy to have him and we're going to love him so much. But I remember telling my mom that it's just, it just breaks my heart to think about having to watch. Oh, my kids died before me.
0: Right. Right. I, I don't. I don't know anyone else that has ever had that experience. And and it, it would be so, as you say, the the amniocentesis is a blessing in some ways, but in other ways, sometimes we don't want to know the trials that we're going to be faced with. And it's almost better to have things spring up on us, and so for you to know what your path is going to be is almost a double pressure, a double struggle, because you know you've gone through it now. It's almost like someone's saying you have this mountain you have to climb that you've already climbed, and you know every rock and every path and every thorn bush along the trail and you don't look at it the same way as you did the first time when all of those things were a surprise. Mm-hmm. So I cannot even imagine how you got up every day and continued on. But
1: Bryce is how old? Bryce is four. He's four years old now. Okay. Most of the time, we it's not really think about it. We just go along with the daily routine, and every once in a while you just cry a little bit, and then you keep going. Exactly. But, um...
0: And I, I think that... You have, you do have a little, how old is your little Thatcher now?
1: And Thatcher is a year old now. He just turned one a couple weeks ago. And we were also found out when we were pregnant with him if he did or didn't have it. And he, I remember the day they called to tell me the results of that test, which I was getting nervous about because it took them a long time to call and tell us the results. But I think they got the results, and then they did the test over again to double-check and make sure the results were right. And so they called and told us that he did not have SMA, and I remember I was with my friend, and I just started, broke down and started crying really hard, and I I think she wasn't sure if it was good news or bad news, but it was really emotional still. Yeah, yeah. And we were really relieved and excited what a, and happy to know that we can have a baby that right. we don't constantly have to worry about getting sick and stuff.
0: Right. Right. And he's really probably going to just experience. be as ornery
1: as I'll get out,
0: and you're just going to let him get away with whatever he wants to because got it, he <laughs> deserves <don't>,
1: that. <laughs> I don't know. He's good at picking on Keaton and Bryce because they can't defend themselves. He pulls their hair and busts <laughs> their toes and and they love him still, but Bryce sometimes exactly. would be like, Hey, Thatcher's coming over here to me. Help me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so much funny. fun. There's so many things like this with him, learning how to crawl and stuff. It feels so funny for me because I feel like I've been a mom now for over 10 years, but all this stuff is new. It's like first for us, you know. Yeah. The other day, Yeah, run and to him to the grocery store and had him sit in the front of the grocery cart you know like most kids will sit in the shopping cart and ryan was like kind of excited about that and like this is kind of really fun but it's so weird and it just because oh my you know God. we've had kids for so long but that's the first time experiencing that isn't that but funny
0: really, uh, again something that we don't we don't take advantage of we don't understand that you've been a mother over 10 years and yet you've never had a baby that sat in a shopping cart that uh, grabbed toys played with them crawled rolled over all of these things that we take mm-hmm. so for granted as mothers and you're getting you're being allowed to experience that for the first time that's that's amazing well I wanted to give our listeners we just have a few minutes left I wanted to tell them a little bit about your website and what what your family and this is the part that just really, uh, it, I was so drawn to your family. In, even though your family is going, continues to go through these things that you're dealing with, you've chosen to give back and to start a nonprofit organization. Your husband decided back in 2008 that he was going to make the most fabulous Halloween costume <laughs> for your Keaton. Yeah. And by doing that, he has created this nonprofit that makes these costumes for kids that are in wheelchairs that blow your mind. And the excitement and the thrill that he has when he talks about this nonprofit that you have is um, amazing and and lovely to watch. And and I love that you, you know, when I was talking with you and, and Ryan, you're like, "Yeah, that's his baby. I I don't have anything to do with that. It's just what he does." But you, you're there holding down the fort, taking care of the family. He's working, he's providing for the family. And but both of you together, you're, you know, they're working in your garage for Pete's sake. I'm sure you have people all over your house when these things are getting done. And so you are, you do have a big part of it. But I want everyone to go to your website. It's www.magicwheelchair.org look at what Ryan and Lana are doing donate to their nonprofit because it's amazing and and you can tell you can hear a little bit about their story on their website you can see a picture of them but i just you to me your family says more about what paying it forward means than any other story that i've ever heard because you have not really been even given anything, but you just serve, serve, serve in spite of everything that has happened to your family. And I think that says more than even people who have been given something and then choose to pay it forward because they, their prayers were answered or their struggle was was um, solved. And so I think that you are a better example of what that truly means to give of oneself and what the term charity even means is to constantly be thinking of the needs of others than what you, you need yourself. So Lana, thank you so much for joining me today and, and I can't I I I cannot I am in awe of your family. I'm speechless as you can as you can hear. And I appreciate you taking the time. You still have little people at home that are calling you and that need you. And and I know that this was this hour was a lot for you to take out of your day. So hurry and rush. Get in your car. Go do the errands you need to run because I'm sure you have to be home <laughs> in a couple of hours.
1: Thank you so much, Renee. All right, we'll talk again soon. I'm sure. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: I cannot. Bye bye. I really want all of you to get online to check out magicwheelchair.org. Ryan and Lana are going to be teaming up with my family. We have our Steelman Family Foundation. We're going to be working together to create an amazing family-oriented Halloween party in the Portland, Oregon area. We are going to be making it very wheelchair accessible. It's going to be extremely fun for the entire family. And Ryan is going to be highlighting some of his costumes that he has developed and created for kids in wheelchairs. And it's going to be a really fun event. So please get on the SalmanFamilyFoundation.org website. You can donate for that cause and also magicwheelchair.org. You can make donations to that if you would like to do that. So I don't think that people understand how important it is for children to fit in that are in wheelchairs. And I like what Ryan says when he, when he talks about wanting his child to stand out at least once a year for something besides being in a wheelchair. He wants people to come up and wanna talk to him because not because he's in a wheelchair, not to ask why he's in a wheelchair, what's wrong with him, why don't his legs work? Why don't his arms work? Those are the questions that kids get that are in wheelchairs. But he but he loves the fact that at Halloween time people come up and say, That is the greatest costume. How did you get that? You look so cool and he becomes a normal child celebrating the holidays. So There are so many wonderful things about it. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today. I hope you can find a heavenly moment sometime in this week. And we'll talk again next week. Bye-bye.